Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have drummer and podcast extraordinaire, Tony Thaxton. Tony is the drummer for one of my all-time favorite bands, Motion City Soundtrack, as well as the host of the Bizarre Albums and Felice Navi Pod podcast, and the on-air producer for Andrea Savage's new podcast, Grown Up Woman, Hashtag Buttholes, and Allison Rosen's podcast, Allie Rosen is Your Best Friend. Uh, I was incredibly excited to have Tony on the podcast. Uh, I've been a big fan of Tony's for a long time. Uh, it was kind of awkward, as you'll hear at the beginning, uh, because I have a Motion City soundtrack sticker on our table that we use for the podcast, and Tony's on that sticker. Uh, so Tony kind of now, uh, he, he sits there and stares at me while we podcast. Uh, it's uh, it, it, it was it was kind of awkward to have to point that out, but I didn't want him noticing this midway through without me ever mentioning it. So I, I figured I'd get that awkwardness out of the way right away. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun talking to Tony, kind of learning more about his background. I learned a lesson on this episode. I almost never Wikipedia my guests uh, before they come on. I like going in fresh. Uh, but Tony, I knew, had you know a pretty vast background, and so I decided that I would, I would read up a little on him, and that you know, turned around and bit me in the ass because everything I had read uh, was incorrect. So thanks for that, Wikipedia. <laughs> so you'll hear Tony at the top of this uh, correct me right away on a number of things. Uh, it's quite embarrassing when that happens, but you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that we got it all straightened out. And it was just such a great time talking to Tony. Uh, in that same regard, you'll hear me later on in the episode uh, mention, you know, three Motion City soundtrack albums. And Tony Krexman lets me know that there's five, which makes me feel really stupid because do I own all five of those albums? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I mentioned that I probably had all of them on my iTunes. And as soon as Tony left from recording, I had to pull up my iTunes. And sure enough, there all of them were. And it just made me feel really dumb to realize I had all of those all along. But yeah, it was a lot of fun talking to Tony, finding out how he had joined the band and how he ended up getting into podcasting. Uh, of course, Andrew Savage's podcast, uh, that's the newest thing that Tony's working on, uh, aside from Bizarre Albums, uh, just launched yesterday uh, with two new episodes with Mila Kunis and Chris Hardwick. Uh, both of them are absolutely hilarious. You have to go and listen to this new podcast. Uh, again, it's called Andrew Savage, Grown Up Woman, Hashtag Buttholes. Uh, yeah, you're not you're not going to want to miss this. It'll be one of your new favorite podcasts, uh, as well as Bizarre Albums, a, a podcast that Tony hosts. Uh, each episode is only between about 16 and 20 minutes, uh, where Tony just takes an obscure album, uh, you know, that was either, you know, one, one of my favorites is the Chipmunks punk rock album. Uh, of course, he's a Simpsons single blues. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of them. Just today, he released Jan and Dean's Batman album. Uh, yeah, he, he has a lot of great episodes, and it's just kind of a, a small history um, on how those albums came about, and it is so incredibly fascinating to listen to. I can't rave enough uh, about how much I love Bizarre Albums uh, podcast, so make sure you guys check that out uh, as well. And, you know, hopefully I did not fanboy out too much on this episode. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of Motion City Soundtrack, uh, and so it, it was quite the honor to have Tony here. Um, talking about you know his career with the band. Uh, of course, they do have a small little tour coming up that starts in January, and you know I'm I'm really excited to see that they luckily do have a Los Angeles date, and yeah, I look I look forward to seeing them perform live again. Uh, they were always one of my favorite bands to uh, to see live, uh, so make sure uh, to check that out. I'll have a link uh, for Motion City Soundtrack's website up on the podcast site on the micpodcast.com so you can check that out and find out if they're going to be playing at a city near you, um, and if not, you know road trip. Go, go, go see Motion City, hop in the car, hop on a plane, you know, go check them out. So they, like I said, they always put on a great show. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. 
Thank you to everybody who has been following along our 31 days of horror. Today is day eight on that process. Uh, if you guys have been keeping keeping up, uh, today we're at the Georgian Hotel in Santa Monica. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I drive past that almost daily when I'm down in Santa Monica. And I've always known you know, of, of its history and wanted to do it last year, but we just kind of ran out of time. Uh, so I was excited to get that in for this year. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a lot of fun this year. We've had a lot of locations that you know, kind of were on the list last year, uh, but we just ran out of time, so we found some that were closer. And I've kind of been all over the place uh, filming these little these little mini, mini episodes for 31 Days of Horror. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So make sure you guys go and check those out if you have not already. But thank you for those that have been following along and sending me comments, letting me know how much you're enjoying them. They're a lot of fun to make. So incredibly time consuming. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy these. So make sure you guys follow along with that. Uh, if you're at LA Comic Con this week, I will be hanging out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, recording little bits of the podcast while we're down at LA Comic Con. I always look forward to it. This usually kind of wraps up my year uh, with everything Comic Con, uh, basically until until January, I believe, uh, when Pasadena Comic Con uh, comes back around. Uh, so make sure if you guys are there and you see me out and about, come up and say hi. I will have some on the mic podcast pins and buttons that you guys can pick up from me there. Uh, we should be getting some stickers as well coming up here. And because I like to wear hats so often, I'm working on getting some on-the-mic podcast hats uh, that will hopefully be up in the web store very soon here, hopefully before the holidays. Uh, I'm very excited about what I've kind of got designed for those, so look for those coming up very soon here. Again, you can find all of that at onthemicpodcast.com. And, uh, yeah, those, those should be up hopefully within the next month. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Thank you again to Tony Thaxton for taking the time to come over and join me on the podcast. Make sure you guys check out Andrew Savage, a grown-up woman, hashtag buttholes, as well as Bizarre Albums Podcast. And, of course, Felice Navi Pod will be returning very soon, so make sure you guys look out for that as well. Again, Tony has a lot of great stuff going on, so make sure you follow him on all the social media links that are up on the website as well. And, uh, and, and keep up on all these great projects. They're a lot of fun. Uh, again, thank you, Tony Thaxton. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. I do have to preface that I want to get this out of the way so it's not weird halfway through. I realized all this time you were literally on the table here. No. So th <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, was, I was breaking down from a podcast the other day knowing that you were coming today and i looked down and i was like that's weird I was like, tony's on the table <laughs> that's uh i think that's a first yeah. I, I don't think i've been on any tables that i've recorded at before so so as one of my friends put it this is 2006 the table and then, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah it's uh but yeah have, having you looking up at me during this i was like that's a uh, it's like, I'm, I'm addressing this right away, otherwise um, Tony's going to be like, this is kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> that's I'm funny, because I, I, was, I was looking around at all the stickers, but I, I didn't I didn't see that one there. So, that's funny. So, what are these buttons that you've got here? I, I mean, of course, I see the Bart and the, uh, yeah. and the Beavis, but... Yes, that was one I just sort of stumbled into online, and then immediately was like, well, I have to get that. Uh, but this this one here is uh, an artist friend of mine named Joe Ledbetter, okay. uh, and he has a bunch of these different... Bun there's different versions of this bunny character that he does. And, uh, yeah, the Star Wars Dianoga, Star Wars Han. It's a dismemberment plan. Button. See, I always yeah. try to get the buttons going with my jackets, but then I'm too precious with so many of them that I'm just like, what if it gets scratched? What right. if something happens to it? <laughs> well, they'll, they could also like fall off so easily right. too. I'm like, I'm glad so far I've not lost any of these, but 
I'm sure it's going to happen yeah. eventually. Yeah. I had a I had a meltdown one that was like some of the last run they ever did. Uh-huh. And I wore it to an Emmy event and all of a sudden it was just gone and I was freaking out and somehow it had managed to fall off the jacket I was wearing into my pocket. Nice. And I panicked <laughs> for like a good 30 minutes where yeah. I was just like, "Oh my god, like that thing's you know, they're priceless, they're gone and yeah, it was on me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse problems. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the best, en- yeah, that best was the possible ending. B- best ending I could have asked for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm excited that that you're able to, to make this work. I know your schedule is incredibly busy. With I, I did not realize how many podcasts you work on, aside from yeah. all of the music stuff that you're still doing. Yeah. So like Motion City is getting ready to go back out on the road. Is that right? It's kind of like a yeah. uh, an anniversary tour. Um, it's not necessarily an anniversary tour. It's just kind of a, uh, all right, I guess we're going to do some things again. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we did our last tour in 2016, um, which, you know, is one of those, it's like a long time ago and not, it's like kind of a long time and kind of not a long time. Uh, so like a little over three years by the time we, uh, start out, we're starting up in uh, Chicago on New Year's Eve um so yeah and it's just yeah there's no like specific occasion it's just sort of like you know some time has passed we've all had a break and i think we all kind of talked and we just kind of hit a point of being like open to doing a little bit like it's not gonna take over our lives like it used to like be gone on tour for you know 300 days a year or something (laughs) but uh this is like we're gonna do this tour and um we'll see we'll see from there yeah yeah, it's it's exciting. So when I saw that, I was just like, "Oh, I thought this was just a, a done deal," but I was excited to see it to yeah. see it coming back around. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be uh, should be a good time. People seem excited. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I was glad too that you were out here. I the first time that I'd actually run into you was at uh, when I had first kind of started working at Meltdown, mm-hmm. and you guys had the Felice Navi Pod benefit show. Yes. And one of the other interns that was working came up and was just like, "Hey, you know who, T- who Tony Thaxon is, right?" I was like, I know that name, I know that name. And he was just like, he was a drummer in a band, and he didn't know who Motion City was. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, yeah, of course. But like, And I would listen to My Dinosaur Life half the time while I was walking down there, uh-huh. just because it would always kind of get me going, which I know you didn't do a ton of drumming on <laughs> My Dinosaur Life, but we'll uh, get to that. No, no I did. did. Oh, I thought there was like drum machines, and then you did at the end. Oh, well, the... Yeah, I mean we can get into that, but yeah. I, no, but the actual record is is is, is all, all you. Me. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, well I'm glad I got that clarified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll jump it. We'll get into that later because sure. I thought that was a fascinating story. When I I re- very rarely do I Wikipedia anybody, uh-huh. and I was just like I need to know more about Tony before I before I dive into this, so it's not just simply so <laughs> Motion City. <laughs> yeah, it's all you just brought yeah. up a sore spot though because I don't know I don't know why I don't have my own Wikipedia. It just bounces you to that Motion City page and it drives me crazy, crushes my ego. So yeah, and you can't create your own. <laughs> I don't know, and I I don't know I know nothing about how to do any yeah. of that stuff. Not that I would like make my own anyways, but like. I'm hoping somebody would. Right. And it just, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know how that works. I've always wanted to figure out how to edit them because I'll come across, I'm like, oh, that's not true. Yeah. And I've tried to go through the like wormhole of like, okay, so this is how you go in and edit. And two hours later, I'm just like, I don't know what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> I may, I may have just like sourced a Breitbart article or something to somebody. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I have just stayed away from it after that. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, but uh, to tell me a little bit about how you kind of got started. I know you were born in Virginia, and how kind of everything made your way towards uh, being a professional drummer. Uh, well, I I actually was born in 
well, technically Indiana, and grew up in because I lived right on the state line of Michigan and Indiana. Okay. So I was born there, and I, I lived in that area until uh, high school, basically. So that then I moved to Virginia. Um, I'm going to stop sourcing Wikipedia right. at this point. <laughs> it's all right. I, I'm, like, all over the place because, like, you know, like, grew up, born in Indiana, lived in Michigan, then moved to Virginia, played in a band that was from Minneapolis. Now I live in, L- you know, I'm, like, all yeah. over the place. So it's all right. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just so yeah, growing up, uh, my dad is a drummer also, so I just kind of grew up around drums and bands and music because he played in just like a cover band, um, and but I would you know be around that a lot and go see them like if it was something that I could actually go to as a kid, um, so that was just kind of like part of normal life to me of like being around bands even though it was just a cover band, but like you know, uh, and. So from a very young age, I always had at least like little kid drums, like small drums that initially just kind of, you know, you just hit, you don't know what yeah. you're doing, you just hit. And then um, over time, the hitting just kind of eventually turned into figuring out how to do it. Like my dad never really like sat down and showed me things, uh, but I was just around it. So I just started picking it up over time and um yeah, I just I, it started making sense to me, and then you know got a little bit better through the years, and I kind of stopped playing um, for. Gosh, when would that have even been? I wasn't really playing a lot in kind of my uh, later elementary school into like middle school years because I had outgrown the little kid drums that I had. I was too. I just they were too small, and. Uh, and my dad, because he played in a cover band, he never really had his drums at the house because he was literally playing every Friday and Saturday, yeah. so he wouldn't really like bring them home. And I think they kept him at one of the other guys' house, and uh, he just didn't want to set them up every week. And plus, there wasn't really anywhere to do that. <laughs> um, so I just kind of wasn't really playing for a while. And then uh, when my family moved to Virginia when I was starting high school, um, then he wasn't in a band anymore, and the drums came with us to Virginia. And we set him up in the in the house, and I just started playing all the time because I was, well, I, I was excited to play again because it had been a while. But then on top of that, you know, I was the new kid and I didn't really know anybody. Um, so, yeah, I would just come home from school and just play drums all the time and just throw on like CDs in a boombox and just play along. And um, yeah, started getting a lot more serious about it then and you know, eventually started playing in, in bands in high school and even eventually started like joining the school bands. I did it like backwards how most kids right, do it right. where like normally they start like fifth grade or something and do that, but I wasn't doing that. And then as I was like a junior in high school, I started doing that. And I, that was the first time I ever started taking lessons as well because I didn't know how to read music. I could play, but I didn't know how to read and I had a bunch of friends that were playing in the band at school, and they were trying to get me to come and play. So that was uh, how and why I did that. Why how I did, how did the band instructor take to that when you've never had any like formal lessons, but you just have kind of paid attention, and you're walking in, and you're like, yeah, I can play the drums. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, he was actually the one. He was a, a great guy, or is a great guy, I should say, uh, and very supportive. And there was like a morning jazz band thing that was going on and i came in to talk to him about possibly playing with that 
but told him I didn't know how to read music. And, um, but he was like, he was like, yeah, well, we can, we can try something with you. And they gave me like, kind of like a, a simple song to, to follow that I just played and they let me do that one. And then he told me about a guy in town that a lot of the other kids were taking lessons from. And then I started taking lessons and eventually learned how to read. And then by the like senior year of high school, I was like mostly band classes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish I would have done that in high school, but so much of it, my parents wanted me to be very practical about, about everything. Otherwise I think everything probably would have been choir and possibly theater and mm-hmm. that would have been it. But it was like, no, well that's, why, why would you do that? Like, no, you need your, you need more English. You need more social studies and all of that. And I'm always envious when I hear that somebody, you just kind of knew that path and that was what you were kind of destined for. Yeah, it was, I was having a lot of fun. And like I said, I had so many friends that um, were also doing kind of the same thing and like came, came up with like a really weirdly, um, a lot of really talented kids in music in that same like at least like in the in the same class as me or like a year above and below like a lot of people that have actually gone on to to be pretty successful and um so it's just it's kind of funny that all of us were were there at the same time um but uh yeah my 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 parents have always been like super supportive and just encouraged me to do what I wanted to do and yeah I was had a weird thing too with my high school that um by the time I got to my senior year I had already earned like all pretty much all of the credits that I needed except for like two so I I literally had two academic classes my senior year and everything else was just band classes (laughs) and so like my senior year like barely felt like school yeah Yeah. no I, I I had gotten to that point going into my senior year which in my brain was just like cool I don't need to go to class not realizing realizing that'll tank your GPA mm-hmm and it didn't do too much damage to it, but I had found a way to con the entire system yeah. where I could get myself called down to the office. And it was right at the time when like all the power school and people would have everything online. And so the office would go in and just change that you were there. If they saw the teacher had marked you as late or not there, uh-huh. they would have the carbon copy of the note back to class. Yeah. And they would just change it. And so I just wasn't going to class. Uh And then my choir teacher found out and was just like, you don't show up and uh, you don't graduate. And I was just like, oh, this is serious now. And I had gone from like, I could probably graduate early and having just like the two classes too. If you don't show up to sing at graduation, we are not graduating. Yeah. Oh, all right. This is <laughs> this backfired. <laughs> you bad boy. <laughs> so, so when you were, you know, going home and listening to to bands to kind of teach yourself, uh-huh. what who who were some of the influences and albums you were listening to? Um, at that point, when like I was getting way more serious about it in high school, um, I'm old, so this was <laughs> this was in the the mid '90s, uh, so it was like. You know, that was right when Green Day had kind of blown up and uh, I was very into Green Day. Um, Like that was, I think, still like a a huge influence on my the way that I play. I think um, I just got really into, I mean, them in general, but I loved Trey Cool. I just felt like at that point I hadn't really uh, been listening to a lot of stuff that was maybe like that fast. Yeah. And uh, I remember like being able to listen to it and like for the usually hear it and know what was happening but maybe struggled to play that fast at least 
or at least play that fast for that long. Yeah. And so I would like, you know, put the Dookie CD in the boombox and like just try and play along to that whole thing. And um, yeah, that was like almost an everyday after school activity. <laughs> uh, so like bands like that and also like other bands that uh, I feel like, you know, have maybe not lasted quite like Green Day, like, because, you know, again, it was 1995 or whatever, so, like, I was very into the band Live for oh, a while. Oh, I definitely and, remember and, Live, yeah. Yeah, so I, a lot of things like that. I mean, but then all, like, Nirvana and Pearl Jam mm. and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, like, just a, a, a lot of a lot of that. What, and what kind of cover band was it that your dad was in? Uh, they were, um, they did a lot of, like, oldies and okay. uh and some country stuff too a little bit of kind of a, a big mix but like pretty heavy on like oldies and, and country so so what was his reaction then to seeing his son instead picking up green day and live and bands like that and playing this just aggressive kind of punk rock alt rock <laughs> um all, like i said always super supportive like to think about what my parents put up with i mean and i I never really, I never like got in trouble or anything. I don't mean it that way. I was, I was a good little boy, <laughs> but uh, the just like the noise at all times because drums are loud and there's no way around it. And like I was just playing them all the time, and they were just home or and or watching TV or something, and like that would drive me crazy. Yeah, because like I play the drums and I love playing the drums, but I hate being around drums. <laughs> so like the thought of living like that would drive me crazy. But they were always super supportive of it, and um, yeah, and like still to this day, like they they love coming to shows and 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 watching and like yeah, they anytime when I started touring all the time, I think anytime we played a show within like four hours of where they lived, like they would come to like all of those shows. So yeah, they were into it. <laughs> <laughs> and what what kind of band? So so you're in high school, you're learning all of this you finally start into actual lessons what kind of bands then were you kind of starting and playing in um well my first band started uh as kind of just playing a lot of covers and like playing the things kind of like i yeah. was mentioning like doing like nirvana kind of, kind of like Day every and, middle school high yeah, school band yeah. yeah um but then that band for being a, the first band that I was in we actually you know, and for it started in high school also, and it it lasted a pretty long time. Um, so it it started like first time we ever played somewhere it was all covers, and then uh, we started writing stuff, and those started creeping in more and more, and then it eventually turned into well several name changes, and then uh, <laughs> I uh, actually turned into like just doing all of our own stuff. And at that point, it was just kind of a lot of um, man. I always uh, hate labeling things and it's not that i'm like like it's i'm not gonna put a label on that it's just like <laughs> it, I, I feel like it almost doesn't do anything justice because it's so hard to like really explain if you say like oh i play in this uh, post-punk blah 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 which i feel like we would get that a lot and a lot of people are like what, is, what does that mean right and then they do ask that and i'm like well, i don't know i don't know how to explain <laughs> it so like it was it was it was like um you know i feel like there are probably some people that would have called us an emo band. There were people that would call us a post-punk band. There would be people that would call us a just a, a, that. I I always just go with we were a rock band. Yeah, I don't know, but it was a lot of uh, 
it was a rock band that had like poppy melodies, I think, but then also was a lot more like musically um uh a little more like quirky, a lot of like weird time signatures and and stuff like that. So, um yeah, it was like both poppy and not at all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little a little ahead of your time it sounds like then. Kind of uh, what was going on during that time. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of bands maybe that we were into that were not necessarily huge bands or something that we really liked and yeah. you know tried to like fit into that scene. I think a bit and um, so yeah. I, I I don't know. I'll I'll take what you said as a compliment <laughs> and, and sure. <laughs> so you mentioned all the name changes. Do you remember any of the any of the names that you had for some of those early bands? I always, I always love thinking back to the early bands I had in like high school and how terrible all of yeah. our names were because yeah. we were trying to either be edgy or funny or yeah. What was the fir- I always like finding out what the first band name was for somebody. My my very first band that I tr- attempted to really start was called the Freaks. Okay, and it was because I was obsessed in seventh grade with Silver Chair, uh-huh. and they had the album Freak Show and the song Freak uh-huh. that I remember. I don't know if you remember the uh, the music video channel The Box. I yes, not well, but I I'm at least it, aware I wasn't it. supposed to watch it, and it wasn't part of like our regular like TV package. But I knew what channel I could turn to, and we'd still get it. Yeah, and so I'd always just sit around and wait after school for uh, for for the freak uh, music video to come on. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, it was the freaks was was the first band name after Hell after yeah. Silverchair. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, we the. The first show that we played when we just played all cover, this is the only show we played under this name, uh, was we, for our first show, we were called Ludicrous Speed, (laughs) which of course is a Spaceballs reference. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was only a one show deal. And then it, uh, it eventually turned into just, then we became Merge. And then, uh, I remember that was for a while. And then it, it, uh, there was also the record label Merge Records, but then also we found out another band in the area was also called Merge, but theirs was like an acronym. I remember it stood for Mother Earth's Righteous Groove Ensemble. Oh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we found out like they were kind of nearby, and we were like, oh, we should probably change our name. And we just could not come up with anything that we liked, and then eventually it just became Submerge. <laughs> <laughs> and which I don't even know that any of us were necessarily crazy about that name either, but we were just like, eh, it kind of works. And uh, but also, I feel like it was a misleading name. I feel like a lot of people just assumed we were a hardcore band yeah. with that name, but we were not. <laughs> the, the The second band, the first album I ever released, well, the band name, and it's probably my worst one. I actually think was Sunny Side Up, <laughs> and it was so cheesy, and the album was terrible. It was so bad. I know my brother still has it. And I'm just like, why do you still like throw it away? There's no reason to have it. And he's like, eh, it'll be like blackmail or something someday. And I'm just like, no, just th- There's like two songs on there that don't even fit like the rest of like the genre of the album. Yeah. That are the good songs, the ones that we really paid a lot in the producing process. Uh-huh. And yeah, they sound nothing like like people would listen to it and they'd be like, "Where did this song just?" <laughs> right. like, I don't know. We wrote a song and we recorded it, <laughs> but it, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> what did you uh, What did you play? I was lead vocals and then some guitar. Gotcha. So nice. and then a little bit of piano here and there. Yeah. So which 
when you also, I mean, I grew up in Utah, so it was like you had so much of like the Osmond influence, mm-hmm. but then wanting to be edgy, and it was like you didn't get a lot of, you know, in most neighborhoods and stuff like a big punk influence. Like the punk skater kids were in a way kind of looked down on because they were against establishment and. Uh-huh. And every bit of me was kind of like, no, I'm, I, I like this, but I can't like this. How, how could I like this? But so like, there was that part of me that was like, in a way, trying to rebel that wanted to keep going down like the, the whole pop punk. And like as all of that started to kind of come about in yeah. like the late 90s and having to hide like Blink-182 albums under my mattress. Uh-huh. Like while kids were hiding porn under their mattresses, <laughs> I had parental advisory albums right. under mine. <laughs> and so it was, yeah, going through that and. Yeah, that whole album was just a mishmash of what is happening here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it happens. You could say that about some successful albums. Too, oh, yeah. There, there, there's bands where I've heard their first album, and I'm just like, huh. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, that, me uh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, got, that got your record deal. All right. <laughs> I, I remember going to uh, to a record release for The Used, Mm-hmm. And I have like before they were ever the used because I mean they grew up twenty minutes south of me. Oh right. Yeah. And I have, I had one of their uh, albums for a band called Dumb Luck, uh-huh. and I remember showing it to Jeff because he was one of the last remaining members of the used that was part of it. And he just looked at me and was like, "Why do you have this?" <laughs> I was like, "It's still a fun one to own. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we can all admit it's not good, but <laughs> hey, it got him where he is now." <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So how many how many albums did you have a chance to release to kind of get you towards, you know, joining Motion City? Um, well, that band did two albums, um, and yeah, same thing. Like the first one is is pretty bad, but I actually am still uh, at this point. It's God, it's again makes me feel really old, but. Our second one we released in like 2000, so that's approaching 20 years old. <laughs> uh, and that one I actually can still to this day like listen to and be proud of. Yeah. Uh, and so we did those two, and then we ended up breaking up um, basically the next year. And then uh, I was I briefly played in another band that was like a really mellow kind of arty thing that. Um, I recorded an EP with them, but I think, and I think that's really about the only uh, like recording experience I had kind of really had up to that point. Um, Because then, yeah, in 2002 is when I first joined Motion City. So, and then ended up recording um, I Am the Movie, our first record. Uh, Literally recorded that, most of that record was recorded about two weeks after I joined the band. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was initially like we were just recording it, uh, not recording it ourselves, but uh, like paid for the recording ourselves Mm -hmm. and uh, just kind of came up with like, all right, we're going to work with this producer, Ed Rose, that we had kind of been recommended working with. Uh, So we went to Kansas and recorded with him and just kind of we're like, all right, he's going to produce it, record it, and we're just going to do this and we'll figure it out from there. And so we just... uh, Started then, uh, initially we just had made like burned CDs and we were selling them at our shows. There's like a early, there's actually a couple different early versions of that record uh, that we were just selling on our own before 
signing because then like a year a little over a year later we ended up signing with epitaph and then epitaph ended up putting out a version of that record it's yeah. like a little bit little bit different between the the those versions but yeah I, I remember having the good old burning parties when i when i quit the performing side and started managing uh-huh. uh, bands and there was the main artist i was managing we were putting out an acoustic album we had like their big release show coming up and we had a guy that had kind of become an investor in the band and had just like this full studio set up and i'll never forget going over like the night before and you had just burning cds one person was gluing like the little cardboard cases mm-hmm. and I, I i kind of miss those a little bit those were always a always yeah. a good time yeah it's one of those things i think that it's fun for a while yeah and then if you have to do a lot of it then after a while you're just like all right i'm done with this yeah because that would we took it a, a step further and somebody in the band had an idea to put the cds instead of in the normal jewel case we got a bunch of old floppy disks and cut the tops mm. off of them, took the actual disc out, and then put the CDs in those. And then That is smart. And then we put um, like stickers on the, uh, on the outside of the floppy disk then. Um, so there was initially like 400 of the, like, that were just burned CDs that we did that we started selling at shows. That was the very first version of the record. Then we did that again, but we had actual discs pressed ourselves so like the disc itself had some artwork on right. it and all that so it looked a little little bit more professional but then we still did the floppy disk thing and i think with that there were two thousand of those and we did all of those Ooh. ourselves and uh yeah that was again fun at first yeah but after a while after two thousand of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so playing in virginia and motion city being from minneapolis how did that come about for you to, to end up joining the band uh, that was because the previous band, Submerge, uh, we, when we put out that second record, uh, we started doing a little bit of touring, uh, just super small thing, you know, playing anywhere we could. And uh, so we were touring a bit and we played a show in Milton, Pennsylvania uh, to hardly anybody, pretty much just played to the other bands and the very early lineup of motion city was on that show and um so we became friendly and for the next few months like if they toured again and came our way like we helped them get some shows and vice versa when we um were we went to the midwest they helped us on some shows and uh uh long story short ish uh <laughs> they ended up uh losing their drummer and we ended up breaking up, and all of this kind of happened around the same time. And uh, it was a weird thing where I was talking to Josh, the guitar player, uh, and just like over AOL Instant Messenger, uh, and he was telling me what was going on, and I told him what was going on, and, and he asked if maybe I would want to play with them. And... I eventually said yes, but it was a weird thing than when I, I had called him and we talked about it and I said yes. And without exaggeration, the second I hung up the phone, I was like, oh, I, 
do I want to do this? I don't know if I actually <laughs> want to do this. And immediately, and I think I was a coward. I didn't call him back. I like emailed him instead. It was like, I'm like immediately having some serious second thoughts. I don't know if I'm actually ready if I want, if I want to do this or not. And I felt really bad, but I just had to like go with my gut on that. And, uh, fast forward one more year uh kind of the same scenario happens again the the new drummer they got was not working out and i also was just kind of in this place of not really knowing what i was doing with life i was just working this dumb warehouse job and was kind of wanting to do more touring again and so the offer kind of came back and i was like yeah, I would do it for real this time. <laughs> and, and and that's what happened. So, yeah, that was early 2002. So, okay. Yeah. So it was pretty quick, actually, from when I said yes to when I uh, first headed out to Minneapolis was pretty quick. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I mean, it, it like you said, it's a, it's a long story short, but it's like there's a lot that, I mean, I, I know that feeling when, you know, you aren't part of it anymore and you're working a warehouse job or something. Yeah. And every bit of you inside is just like, I shouldn't be at this warehouse job. I should be, I should be doing this. And yeah. it's the it's the worst feeling. Like before I'd moved to Los Angeles, I would, I'd come out. We'd do uh, live shows at Comic Con, and and things like that. And then I would go back and I worked uh, in eBay's fraud department, mm-hmm. and and uh, and some of their member to member stuff. And I would come back and I would just be depressed for a month. Yeah, because I was just like, "What am I doing?" Mm-hmm. Like, I was just on the road. I was having fun. Yeah, and then I have to come back and hear somebody scream about how their beanie baby was not <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> well, it, I mean, that's important. Yeah, it but. is important, but it was, oh, it, it was so degrading to just be like, I, I should be doing more than, yeah, sitting in here. I, I should be out there with, doing what I love. And, yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I I can understand getting to that point. You're like, no, I'll really do it for real now. Like, it's, yeah, I, I'm I, in. <laughs> I, I think I really do think it was all like the timing of it all was what I personally yeah. needed. Like, I think, I think it might not have worked out if if I had if I had joined that previous time a year earlier. Like, I am curious if it would have all. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could have gone very differently. Yeah. Um. I really do think that. I needed that year to kind of like realize like I, Oh, I should, I got to get out of here and and I should do this. And then also a few months after I joined, um, uh, we ended up, uh, I put it bluntly. Yeah. We, we kicked out the bass player that we had. Um, uh, and Matt who was in submerge with me, Mm uh, ended up, finding out you know, kind of similar to what happened with me then like he he's also my best friend still to this day and uh he found out what was going on and that we had lo- kicked out the bass player and he was like i would do it and wait really and because if things had kind of just changed for him he thought he was going to do one thing and that wasn't working out and then he's like yeah i'm totally like i'm into doing this and so same thing like I think he said he would do it, and like a week later, he was headed to Minneapolis with me. And then, so that really was like the, that was the really important part. Yeah. I think is I feel like that was like the big final piece that was really needed to kind of make this a lot stronger. And um, yeah, and then things got 
it already got it was pretty serious pretty quick but like when he joined i think then it really like went up several notches yeah especially when you're recording an album two weeks after <laughs> after yeah. joining like yeah the serious nature it's it's kicked itself into into full gear yeah yeah so now it was the second album that you guys recorded with mark hoppus that right mm-hmm. yeah so were you a blink 182 fan at the time when you guys started working with mark um yeah you know if i'm being like totally honest i was but honestly pr- like very casual though i wasn't like mm-hmm. a super fan or anything like that and in all honesty i don't think any of us were like we <laughs> we we liked them but yeah. like we weren't yeah they weren't uh you know like the like number one band for any of us um but we did enjoy them and they had had taken us out on some tours opening for them and which was crazy because at that point we were still very small you know sometimes we were Mm. still playing like basement shows and then suddenly we're playing arenas opening for blink um and that was crazy and then so we just kind of became um friendly especially with mark on that first tour we did and uh we were trying to figure out our plan for the second album who we were going to work with and all this and he was hanging out in our dressing room one day and he just kind of like threw out uh, that he would love to get into producing. And then we, after he left, all of us were kind of like, what if we talk to him about producing? Uh, so we ended up doing that, I think, by the last night of that tour or something. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I think like a few months later we started. I think that tour was in like February of '04, And then I think October of that year, I think we started working on the record. Yeah, I, I now I I don't know for sure, but I think that may even have been the tour that I first saw you guys on. Really? Was with Blink. I'm 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 not a hundred percent certain, but I feel like it was. Well, we didn't do a lot of U.S. with them. We okay, had like well, a, then a, it few, was a, not. a few dates here and there, mm-hmm. but we never really did like a full U.S. tour with them because the first one we they took us to the U.K. and Europe for some dates, and then we did some japan dates with them but yeah i think in the u.s it was just like a show here and a show there did you guys play with matchbook romance did you guys do a tour with them Mm -hmm. maybe it was that tour because i I was trying to think about it i was like when did i first see motion city play i was like i know it was early on on that second album yeah there was that and i was like oh (laughs) there was a uh, that may have been the epitaph tour possibly because they were another epitaph band and there was an epitaph tour that happened in 2005 i think that sounds about right because i think when you guys came through utah it was the weird it was at the state fairgrounds but it wasn't like a state fair park show they had Uh this little building that was kind of in the it was like the promontory building i think is what it was called and it was just a weird little place that they would put up shows yeah. in like the fall and winter because nobody was going to be out on the fairgrounds in utah at that time uh-huh. but I, I feel like that was probably the first one that then i saw you guys play was with was with matchbook romance yeah i feel i'm trying to like it's funny some stuff i'm like so great with my memory and then some <laughs> stuff like specific shows are just so hard to because it's so long ago now at this point and we played so many shows oh, right. but i i do feel like I I might have like just ever so vague memory of what you're talking about. Yeah. If I I'm, I'm not positive about it, it is, but yeah. Come come on, Tony. Thirteen years later, <laughs> they should be sharp on this. <laughs> it is a weird thing though. Like I've stumbled into uh, some videos on YouTube that were like kind of from around that same time that just like popped up on yeah. uh, my recommendations and clicked on them and like it's such a weird thing. 
seeing those and being like, all right, that's me. I know that's me. Yeah. I have no recollection of this. <laughs> it's very weird. It's like, I don't recognize that venue. I don't, right. re- you know, it's, it's, it's weird because played a lot of places yeah I, I i get that now too like i've my wife and i've been going through all of like our boxes here and downsizing stuff and putting them into bins and everything and i found a ton of old pictures and i used to own a store or co-own a store in utah where it was based on local music and local clothing lines but then i was like we need to bring in bigger stuff too to kind of mix the two mm-hmm. and we had a stage in the back of our store mm-hmm. uh, so that we would have open mics and stuff and we would book regular shows on Saturdays that were just acoustic shows. Um, and I'd been doing a lot of work with Victory Records, and I had Bayside coming in. Mm-hmm. And I was positive that was the first time I'd ever met Bayside. And like we have pictures and stuff after the show and whatnot. And as I'm going through these old pictures, I found stuff from like three years before I was ever part of doing any of that with Bayside. And I was like... I- <laughs> I don't know when these like, but they've got the cool little like Kodak date at the bottom, and yeah. I was just like, I don't remember this at all. Right. But it was like the first time I had ever <laughs> working with them. In, yeah, a good three years. Mm-hmm. It was probably one of their first tours. Yeah. Through Utah, and I was like, no recollection of that. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I get, I understand. So w- as you start, you know, Motion City just starts growing and growing and growing. How how did your family kind of react to see you guys? just exploding especially you know your dad kind of coming from having just played in cover bands and stuff growing up to see his son you know part of a part of this big band um yeah again like just like super supportive and like i think it was exciting to them uh they you know they've always been supportive and proud and and uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know beyond that. Uh I know that, you know, they think it's it's fun and kind of cool and I know they like to like tell people about it and stuff. Yeah. So like um which is which is which is cool. I just uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say beyond that. I it's 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 great to have them be so supportive, but also sometimes I I I I have a personality that doesn't really make sense a lot of the time of like I <laughs> I love performing and i uh, and i love making things and all this so like clearly i must like attention but i i like it when it's controlled right. and i and i know that like okay this is what i'm doing i'm supposed to do this i know how to do this blah blah, blah. but like if i'm with if i were to be like with my parents at dinner and they run into somebody they know or whatever and then it turns into like them telling them like <laughs> what it is that I do and all, and then the person like knows of the band or something like it's it's not that I mind it but I just I'm uncomfortable and I don't quite know how to right. handle those moments and I just get uncomfortable in that um, and so yeah I don't really know what my point was with that. But <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, you you've got proud parents and yeah no it, it it isn't a point of you know just awkward when your parents want to brag about you and you're just like i like the support but now just <laughs> let me be I'm, yeah let me just sit in the corner i'll be fine here yeah yeah 
Like they and they love to, you know, they've got like a million Motion City shirts that they wear all the time, <laughs> and then so they love to tell me like, oh, I was wearing the shirt at the grocery store the other day, and one of the guys working said they love that band, and then I told them you're our son, and uh, yeah, so a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I I always love the the proud parents when I when I first moved to L.A. and I was like, all right, well, I need a job right away. I'm gonna drive Uber, mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of the early rides I had was uh, Ben Feldman. Uh-huh. Uh, I drove his parents, uh-huh. and his parents as they're talking to him. They're like, "So what are you doing out here?" And I was like, "Oh, like I'm I'm a comedy writer, like kind of explaining a lot of what I do." And they're like, "Oh, so like you 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 know some TV stuff you do?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, a little." And they're, "Well, do you know who Ben Feldman is?" And I was like, "Yeah, I watch Superstore." <laughs> and they're like that's our son like they were just so proud to be uh, like and i was like if he was in here right now he would probably be so embarrassed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always funny to see just the the excited parents just like we want we, we want to just tell you how proud we are and all of us no matter what level we're at are just like stop like it's I know, and <laughs> and it you know it, it's great that they're that supportive and like sometimes i feel bad that it makes me feel weird because like then i'll you know talk to other people that have the exact opposite experience yeah. how their their parents think that their career is a joke and they've been you know successful and living off of whatever their right. profession is for 20 something years and their parents are still like when are you gonna get a real job <laughs> yeah. like, so at least i don't have that that uh, that kind of is my parents but then like the second something will make it on tv they're immediately like look look at that and yeah it's like yeah, I, I know. That's what I do, Mom. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> right. there, there's an old episode of Seinfeld where it's like, you know, Jerry has this long-storied career, and his mom just keeps, have you looked at, like, the Bloomingdale's executive program? <laughs> and he's like, I make money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I th- every time I've seen that episode, my wife will be like, that's your parents. Yeah. That is them right there. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, yep. I, <laughs> I feel that every single time. <laughs> <laughs> so now you did. You, ended, you guys ended up doing three albums. Uh, before Motion City kind of called it quits or more or less a hiatus? Uh, no. We did five, four, five, five albums. albums. Well, five with me, and there's a there's a sixth because I, I left the band in 2013. Um, I left for a little bit. Uh, I was having some... Uh, just dealing with a lot of depression problems and things of that nature that are no fun, and I really felt like for my own mental health and good I needed to stop for a little bit and so I left in 2013 and yeah so at that point there were five albums and uh so yeah I left and they ended up doing one more uh my old drum tech Claudio Rivera ended up uh replacing me which is funny uh and then uh yeah so they did that for the next few years and then in 2016 was when the what was the farewell tour uh (laughs) happened and i actually came back for that um final tour quote-unquote final tour uh and yeah so that was throughout 2016 and then yeah come uh come new year's eve we're coming back again (laughs) now we're all five full length or were they yeah Mm mm-hmm I don't know how a few of those have escaped me. My, my guess right. is if I go through my iTunes, they're all on there. And I just have like the few that I regularly listen to. Right, right, right. No, I mean, yeah, we had we had three on Epitaph, and then we 
uh, in my dinosaur life, which you have a sticker for on your table here, <laughs> uh, that one was we we went to Columbia Records for one album, but then we're okay. swiftly dropped from that label, <laughs> and then uh, and then we actually did one more again with Epitaph. Well, then yeah, I sh- they did one more with Epitaph after yeah. me too. Yeah. So we we kind of mentioned at the beginning with my dinosaur life. So going into that album, you broke your arm. Yeah. So as a drummer. I mean, first off, how did you break your arm, and what was that like? Being like, "Yeah, this is my livelihood that's broken right now." <laughs> uh, all right, this is this is the story that, uh, yeah, I will I will do my best to tell it <laughs> timely because there's you, a lot of you weren't hopping to... parking meters, right? No, you want to know what I was doing? <laughs> I was walking, <laughs> not doing anything you, cool or interesting. You, 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 so you say that. Look at my knee, though. This is literally from yesterday, just walking. <laughs> yes, but but did your knee completely snap in half Thank and was no. not connected to your body anymore? <laughs> because that's what happened to me. Oof. Yeah, I was literally leaving a new... All right, again, I will try and do this quickly. Uh, so I was leaving a New Year's Eve party. It had literally... It was one hour into 2009 and was leaving this party uh, just... And I always say, yes, I had had some drinks, but I, I honestly do not blame that. Like, I wasn't, like, hammered out of my mind or yeah. something. Like, I just, you know, I was having fun. I was loose, but, like, I wasn't stumbling around. And I just happened to kind of slip and fall and just landed exactly the wrong way. <sighs> and, like, to the point where, like, when I first landed, it hurt, but I kind of even, like, laughed it off. And then I tried to get up, and I couldn't. And then um, some friends like tried to help me get up, and when they tried to like grab like me by the you know shoulder or arm or whatever they did, I was like, oh no no no! And uh, so then yeah, went to the hospital, and um, they so they took some X-rays at the hospital, and they sent me home telling me that I had just sprained my arm, uh, and they sent me home in a sling and gave me some painkillers. Uh, now at this point I had never broken anything in my life. So, um, I'd never experienced it, so I didn't totally know what it was like. And, uh, so the next day there was a point when I like took the sling off my arm for a second. And if I just like let my arm down, it kind of like, just like wobbled (laughs) around. And I was like, I know they're telling me it's sprained, but this doesn't seem normal. This doesn't seem attached. Yeah, like I can't because I and I couldn't like I could I could move my hand, but like if I tried to do anything with my arm, it didn't work. And uh, so, uh, a couple days later, I get into an actual doctor, and he X-rays me, and he then is concerned after looking at the X-rays that maybe I tore a bicep. Ooh. And so he sends me to get an MRI. So I go to get an MRI, and as soon as I get out of the MRI, uh, the technician comes in and says, you know your arm is broken, right? And I was like, well, I kind of thought so, but I keep being told it's not. (laughs) So he's like, I'm going to call your doctor, and then you should go right back over there. So that's what happened. I get back over to the doctor, and he then with the, like, what they saw with the MRI, we find out that between the emergency room x-rays what i didn't know i assumed they were x-raying my arm because that was the problem the emergency room basically x-rayed like my shoulder 
Oh, were they thinking it was like your clavicle? I guess. And <laughs> then when I went to the doctor the first time, he x-rayed the lower part of my arm. And so between the two x-rays, there was a tiny part of my arm that was not seen, and that is exactly where the break oh, was. Oh, jeez. So, um, end up, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, go through all that. Uh, surgery should be kind of last resort kind of thing. You're hoping it, it can heal on its own. So I'm like in a cat, like not exactly a cast, but like wrapped up and in the sling for a long time. And uh, I actually changed doctors because it was just not great. Um, got recommended a new doctor. Same thing. Surgery, last resort. Like, I think we can make this work. And uh, A couple months go by and I go back to check on it. Just not healing. So I end up having to go into surgery. Are you in a sling this whole time or is your arm just kind of still no, I'm in a sling. <laughs> I'm in a sling. And at one point I even had this... Uh, uh, I referred to it as my sidecar because I had to wear this like pillow around my waist, kind of <laughs> that would keep my arm you would have it resting up. on. Yeah, because uh, it was in just in such an awkward spot. I guess that it was hard to get the bones to line up correctly, and so that's one of the issues why it didn't heal on its own. So, anyways, going to surgery, have a plate put in. Uh, yeah. So all this is right when we are about to record our first major label record. And uh, I have to give lots of credit to my bandmates because they made it work. And we did that that record with Mark Hoppus as well. Yeah. Um, and everybody was willing to work with me and figure out a way to get this done. So we kind of did that record backwards because normally uh, I would do drums first. And on this record, we did drums last because I literally was unable to play drums for a long time. Uh, and by the time we got around to tracking drums, I was literally going to physical therapy in the morning and then the studio from physical therapy. And then I would go and track drums. And uh, I was still, I was having to wear this like plastic brace over the upper part of my arm while I was recording. And uh, I couldn't do a lot at a time. I could only do like two or three songs in a day just because it I uh, just didn't have the like endurance to play very long because my arm had not done anything for yeah. like three or four months um so yeah you know some are deaf leopards drummer was just like pick I, it up buddy i know i know <laughs> oh yeah that was the year of constant deaf leopard comments for me and then that's that record ends up having a song called hysteria on yeah it, which yeah great song <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it was it was a nightmare but we got we got it done somehow and uh yeah the, so they were the you had mentioned earlier like drum machine kind of stuff mm -hmm. that was basically we uh we had some demos so with with uh recording since i did drums last some of the songs we had demos of and if the demo was pretty much the same structure as what the song was going to be they would play along to uh the demo drums we had recorded and then there were some that we didn't have so they just did some like quick like program drums for them to yeah. play along to something and then by the time it got to the end, then I replaced all that stuff um, with some actually good recorded drums. That is a hard way to do it. That is yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely Benjamin Buttoning the, <laughs> the yeah. entire album. And then just to to uh, tie this all up real quick, then as quick as I can, uh, months go by. You know, we do the records, start playing a few shows here and there. My arm never feels great. Uh, like it's working and everything, and I'm playing shows, but like. 
it does feel a little weird with the the plate in there. And fast forward to October of that year, uh, suddenly one day, uh, my arm started getting a little bit swollen and was also kind of red and and feeling warm. Yeah. Also, uh, so again, I'll leave out lots of details. Uh, there's, <laughs> it's, they're kind of like good thing, like it's a crazy story. But the the quick version. Turns out my arm got infected somehow. Oh, jeez. Uh, so I had to go back into surgery two more times. They took the plate out and cleaned out the infection. Um, and so that was like a whole other thing to deal with. And I had to be on like an IV at home to get these like uh, medication in me and stuff. But uh, the in a weird way, I'm actually glad that part happened because they said it was. it's very rare for the infection to happen so long after your initial surgery. But since that was so long after the surgery, my bone had healed underneath the plate. So when they took removed the plate, my my the bone was good to go. So again. you didn't even need the plate anymore. Yes. So they took the plate out, and I I don't have the plate anymore. And uh, it's going to make airport security so much easier. <laughs> yes. I never did have that <laughs> issue though. I was always I was like ready. I even had the like note from the doctor ready to show them, and it never actually set it off. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I, I'm actually really glad. As much as it sucked to deal with the infection thing, I was glad it happened because once the plate came out, I was like, "Oh, this feels like my normal arm yeah. again." So it sucked, but ultimately was a good thing. With all the misdiagnoses, at any point we're just looking at the doctors and like, you know, I'm a drummer. Oh right? yeah, I mean they knew that from day <laughs> one, and it was it was scary because I there were times it was when it just kept going wrong and all that. I was like. What if, what do I do? Like, because uh, there was honestly a point where I was like, "What if yeah. I lose my arm?" Like, I I didn't know, and the, you know, because since nothing seemed to be working and everything kept going wrong, I was like, "It doesn't seem totally unrealistic that right. that could be something that happens." And so it was it was kind of terrifying, yeah. So now, as, as the band, you know, called it called it quits, kind of it back in two thousand sixteen. How how did things kind of transition then? I know you've been playing drums now with uh, Don't Stop or We'll Die mm-hmm. um, and Tiny Stills, and then all of these podcasts <laughs> that yeah. you've also worked on, having some of your own, and then some that you produce. I mean, how did you kind of just get involved in just kind of the foray of comedy in a way? Um, well, I've always been a big comedy nerd, uh, kind of like same thing, like is like my whole life, kind of. I've never, I've never pursued comedy necessarily or anything like that uh but it's always been something i've been a big fan of and like uh been interested in i feel like that's a weird way to say it but it's true (laughs) though like i feel like i I have read a lot of books about comedy and comedians and um just i really enjoy that world and was uh after living here for a while started going to see a lot more comedy in la uh, with like UCB and Meltdown and those places, um, so through that um, I started, especially when I started regularly going to Meltdown, um, it was such a like community there because um, when they had the Meltdown with Jonah and Camille yeah. on the Wednesday nights, like I I went almost every week, and it was a lot of those people that would be there were there every week, and it right. really was like. In a weird way, I was actually just talking about this with Jonah like last week. Like it, it, uh, 
it almost kind of felt like school in a in a positive way mm-hmm. of like how um you knew when you got there like you're going to see so many of your friends and you're going to mm-hmm. get to hang out and all that and and then on top of that like see a great show too right um but that was like a funny thing is like I think that's a a weird LA thing of there's so much cool stuff happening here at all times that sometimes I would get to the show and all my friends would be like in the store just talking and then I'd start talking to them and there'd be like some comedian that I love that a lot of people would like kill to see, let alone see them in a tiny room in the back of a comic book store. And meanwhile, I'm just like, and I just keep talking to my friends, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, but like everything about it was great, and so through kind of becoming friendly with everyone in that world, um, I I think initially this was in when I had first left the band in 2013. Um, a little bit before that, I think is when I first started going to Meltdown. I think I started going to Meltdown in like 2011, maybe, and um, so sh- pretty much right as it opened, really. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and I also like had been going to the store for years, like before they started doing shows mm-hmm. there. Um, even before I lived in LA, because when we would tour LA, a lot of times like the guys would need to stop at Guitar Center or something. Oh, you're right there on the one Pretty much across yeah. the street, and I hate Guitar Center, so I would go to Meltdown and just kill time <laughs> in there while they were all at Guitar Center. And uh, so I had known of the store and liked the store forever. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, start start hanging out with everybody there and then i had left the band didn't really know what i was doing next and uh i was a big podcast fan for a long time and i had always thought like it would be fun to like try and do some sort of podcast but i didn't really have an idea and it was like uh, i don't know uh and i eventually then being somewhat directionless and just trying things i started even though i'd played music forever i'd never done a lot of uh like recording Mm -hmm. at home and stuff and so i got initially i got um a copy of pro tools and like decided i'm gonna i'm gonna start like learning how to kind of do this stuff just kind of figuring it out teaching myself watching things on youtube learning things from friends and just started uh recording stuff on my own and also was like starting to write stuff which i'd never really tried to do and you know just for fun and then with having all that and kind of learning a little bit more of it then uh i was like oh i could try and record you know if i can record this kind of stuff i can record people talking right and uh (laughs) so i don't remember exactly why it happened but i have always been so the first thing i really tried was i i've i have always been a big nerd about christmas and uh, one day I was like, I don't know if there's any really, this was 2013. So uh, I was like, I don't know if there's really any Christmas podcasts. And uh, I was like, maybe that could be like a fun thing to do. And I <laughs> just came up with this idea of like, oh, and it would be like an excuse to like work music into that too. Cause I could write little like dumb little songs to like put into the shows. And, um, and yeah, I was like, I could try to make it like a cheesy old Christmas special or something. And then, I started thinking about it more. I was like, oh, this could be really fun. And then when I was thinking about potential names, uh, suddenly Felice Navi Pod came to me, and I was like, well, now I got to do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and then, yeah, so from there, it just sort of, uh, 
I started having on my friends that were comedians or musicians and stuff. And I think just from doing that, even though that was just this like goofy thing for fun, um, it, it weirdly led to me getting to get a lot more of that uh, because I think people were then like, oh, you can do this. You know how to do this stuff. So, um, yeah, then I just started, uh, I think occasionally I would just get asked to uh, fill in for people sometimes if they couldn't do a recording. I feel like a lot of it started from there. It's like I started doing it on my own. People found out I do that. And then uh, I needed more work. And every now and then people like Katie Levine and stuff would uh, contact me and be like, hey, I can't do this recording. Would you maybe be able to do this? And so, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that for for the last several years. And then, um, yeah, then so when I went back to Motion City in 2016, but then also knowing there was like this going back, but it's also ending. Right. Uh, when I got back home, I kind of like got a little heavier into the podcasting world and uh, that stuff started happening a lot more regularly. And then now a lot of those uh, fill-in things have, like, gradually turned into, oh, that's just, like, a permanent thing now and or has led to um, other people contacting me saying, hey, I'm looking for a producer or just need somebody to edit or just need mm -hmm. some." I do, like, every every different uh, part of it. You're right. I, yeah, so. Yeah. So, and, and you've become the on-air producer, no, on Allie Rosen's show. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, for Andrew Savage's new show that comes out in a yes. couple of weeks here, uh -huh. I guess next week, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah next, October seventh, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very episode. excited about that podcast. Yeah, it's 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 a good time. It's been fun. I hope people like it. Yeah, I think they will. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I heard her on on Hardwick's recently uh, talking yes. about it. And I've always been a huge fan of Andrew, and then I saw yeah, you post great. that you were going to be the on air, and I was like, this is even better. This will be great. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, that was that was another one of those things where I think actually uh, Katie Levine, who I mentioned, uh, I think Andrea had maybe reached out to Katie initially, but Katie was just too busy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Katie then, does have a lot on her plate. <laughs> yeah. And so she uh, recommended me. And uh, and then Andrea ended up contacting me and I met with her and we got along and uh and same thing, like because of these other people that I know, that then Andrea knew that and trusted in the podcasting world. Like she, I guess, contacted Hardwick and she contacted Jimmy Pardo and they're like, like, hey, you know this Tony Baxton guy? <laughs> and they they all spoke highly enough of me, I guess. And so she ended up uh, being like, yeah, let's let's do this. Um, so yeah, it's been fun. We're also like, but it's funny because we didn't know each other at all so that's kind of right. like an element of the show too is like us <laughs> kind of getting to know each other um with a guest being there <laughs> uh yeah well most of that stuff is like when it's just like intros or okay. outros but then yeah i'm i'm a little more i kind of when it's when it's like with the guest i i step back a, a lot more and kind of let her do her thing <laughs> yeah but uh, i'll chime in here and there but yeah so it's it's mostly me uh you know again it's a it was a new uh friendship slash working environment right. and i'm like i don't want to step on too many toes here so i'll just kind of <laughs> you know if i'm called on i'll speak kind of thing or so, if i really gotta say something <laughs> and then you have i mean your own podcast right now uh, bizarre albums yes uh that you've been doing for a couple of months now yeah started so, in late july i believe yeah and it, and it is such a 
perfect podcast because it's a very short podcast compared to yeah. most podcasts. Just be, I mean, th- I think most episodes seem to be kind of in the fifteen minute, twenty minute. Yeah, mark. it's like fifteen to twenty. Yeah, and they are so informative in just that little bit, and they send me down such a memory lane <laughs> because so many of them, like I, ha- I can literally picture exactly where I was at at the moment of hearing. Uh, like when you did the Simpsons sing the blues, uh-huh. hearing some like the old Bartman song, I can remember the exact apartment my family lived in at the time. Yeah. And where I was standing, because I was obsessed with that album. Mm-hmm. I was like a five-year-old. I was I was bonkers for that. But I mean, like your, your Chipmunks one, I had no idea that there was such a history behind the Chipmunks. Yeah. I didn't really either until I started yeah. researching for that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, so much of it, so many of these episodes have just blown my mind to Thank learn you. so much. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing some of these silly album covers, like the Bruce Willis one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I remember seeing those. Right. And then hearing the history and then the clips that you have. I'm just, I mean, what is your process making these episodes? Because there's a lot of production value going yeah. into them uh well thank you uh the it is a lot even though the episodes are short it takes me a long yeah. time to <laughs> get to that because i do a ton of research um so yeah just quickly for anybody listening the the concept is that each episode um they're almost for a lack of a better way to put it they're almost like little like mini audio documentaries kind of because i tell the story of a certain uh like strange record that was put out by a athlete or actor or fictional character sometimes just bands that took a sudden change of direction anything just like that makes you look at this record and go wait why does this exist yeah and uh so yeah so i kind of go in i i i do a ton of research uh just a lot of Googling and just find what I've, whatever I can and, uh, you know, hope a lot of the information is <laughs> mostly correct. So far, I haven't gotten anybody telling me that actually that's not correct because I, I try, like, sometimes you'll read something and it's like, that doesn't seem right. And I'll try and dig deeper. And a lot of times, like, oh, apparently that is right. Sometimes <laughs> it's not the case. But uh, um, so, yeah, just a ton of research and uh, just on the Internet and um I've try I'm getting copy if I don't already have it I I'm getting copies of the individual records so that I can like really like study the the liner notes and all yeah. that stuff and uh, there's just so many what I love about it is cuz I I genuinely this is like the first thing outside of playing in a band well in, in particularly Motion City where like first of all it felt like people cared about what I we, what we were doing and stuff and I feel like this is the first thing I've done kind of outside of that that people seem to be responding to and I genuinely love making it like I wish I could spend way more time than I do because yeah. I enjoy it that much um, and I just love putting it together and trying to figure out the way to tell the story like where to where to start exactly and how to kind of tie it all together Um so yeah, I'll kind of like tell the story of, of how it even became that that record came about, and then eventually then get into the record and kind of just go through like who worked on it, who played on it, and um, the things like that. Because uh, it started kind of just as an idea because I just found myself doing this with my spare time, anyways. <laughs> like I would just go down these rabbit holes online of because I, I have always kind of had an obsession with weird records like this. Um, 
And so I would, I would, I would look and I'm like, wait, uh, uh, Lenny Pickett, who is like the band leader on SNL, he seems to pop up on like half of these records. <laughs> and so it's just, there's a lot of weird stuff like that where like all these super credible people just working on these strange albums right. and just, you'll find so many weird connections. You're like, oh wait, but that person is from this. And then they also, it, um, it, it it blows my mind a lot, um, and I just love finding those weird connections like that. And it's just it's genuinely so much fun to me. And um, yeah, I hope people uh, will keep checking it out because I I love it, I, and I'm so happy that people are responding to it because it really is uh, bringing me a lot of joy right now. Yeah, and you can you can tell listening to it that it is bringing you joy. I I can I can tell just from the tone in your voice as you're going through this that you're having fun and that it's something that's genuinely yeah. exciting you. And a lot of the times when you kind of get those documentary style podcasts, I, I feel like within a few episodes the person's just kind of like yeah, and then this and it yeah. just gets very flat and monotone. But I can tell on all of these that you're just like holy shit, check out this! Like yeah. look at this! Like I love that you're excited about it and that they're fun albums. It's like, yeah, they're weird. Yeah. These, some of these things exist, but there's, they're fun. And the stories behind them are, are fun of how, of how they've come about. Yeah. And I'm really trying to go out of my way to make sure that, it, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have a little fun and maybe poke a little fun here and there, but overall, like I really, and I say it in my intro, like I'm not making fun of these records. Like yeah. I'm literally just trying to, to tell the story of, of, of that record yeah um because yeah they're you know they're th those things have their place and there's a lot of like snarky things making fun of things out there and <laughs> i was like i don't want it to i don't want this to be that i, I want right. to just like just be good spirited about it and like here's just here's just this strange thing yeah, yeah there, there's one that you mentioned that i i didn't know existed that i am looking forward to if you actually do an episode uh -huh. is you mentioned there's one for the tv show dinosaurs yeah. And when I heard that, I, I have not had a chance to go through and try and find that yet. But that is one that I'm going to have to. I, uh, I was obsessed with that show. And yeah, I still do enjoy it. I mean, it's a hilarious <laughs> show. I uh, yeah, I watched it a lot when I was younger. Uh, and I didn't know that that record existed either. That was <laughs> it's again uh, in just like researching. Then I'll stumble into these other ones that I didn't know about. And now people are sending me suggestions all the time. And I love <laughs> it because a lot of times it'll be ones that I knew about. But I'm also finding out about a lot of ones that I didn't know. Um, so I do now have a copy of the Dinosaurs oh, that's uh, awesome. record. Uh, I have not yet really dug in on that one yet. So I don't know when that episode's coming. But I do I do have a physical copy and there was already, in just the very little bit that I dug in, there was one thing that made me go, wait, he's on this Dinosaurs <laughs> album? I, I don't know. Do you, want a, do you want a spoiler? I mean, it's just one yeah, little yeah. thing. I'll, I'll give it to you. Chuck D of Public Enemy really? is on the Dinosaurs album. Please tell me it's just like a <laughs> remix of I'm the Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. I've only just kind of like looked at the liner notes. And I was like, wait, not like chuck d chuck d and then i looked into <laughs> it and yeah chuck d chuck d wow yeah the only song i can even think of from that was the baby singing i'm the baby gotta love me yeah and yeah i can't think of any other music that was ever well, but i remember they had a music video for that did they, they i don't they, even remember they that. had like a music video type thing 
of the baby singing that and it was shot with that like kind of weird shaky like 90s yeah. uh, music video look yeah yeah i i remember that being part of it yeah well honestly like the songs may not even be from episodes because that's kind of almost uh, like a thing on its own yeah. that i am kind of obsessed with in a weird way is those things um that because because it's, it's a weird one with sometimes with something like dinosaurs kind of walks the line i think of um because it is you know a kid's thing really but it's also not a hundred percent just for kids right so like sometimes there have been ones records that i've found that then when i start looking into it a little bit more i think it's going to be a great one for the show and then as i start researching a little more i'm like oh, this is really just, like, a kid's album. It's not, like, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, like, there's not really, like, necessarily anything, like, that interesting or fun about it. It was just, like, these people made a kid's album, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, but, yeah, it, when it's, when it's um like, characters like that and it's from a show, but then, like, none of these songs, well, because even uh, Simpsons Sing the Blues, like, those songs aren't in any Simpsons right. episodes. There's one song that uh, was, but at the even the version on the album is way different than w- how it was on the show. But yeah, all those songs were just on this record. They weren't from the show. Yeah, Bart and references in an episode to do the yeah. Bartman. But yeah, the song is never actually right. in there. Yeah, and uh, so that's like a weird thing about that record. And uh, and also, too, that came out uh, right as season two was airing. So that's like yeah. before The Simpsons was even good. <laughs> like It was somehow gigantic. But oh, like, I was obsessed it hadn't, with it. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> uh, but like, it hadn't like it hadn't become what it became. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because those first couple seasons, as everyone knows, they're not the best. Right. And so it's funny that this record came out before it really had found itself yet. Yeah, but it's it, it still is a classic in my eyes. At least it's it's a classic al- album for me. It's one yeah. that I I actually I tried to show it to my wife and realized I no longer had a copy. And it's sitting in my eBay cart as we speak because <laughs> I load up my eBay cart way too much and then go through, oh, what should I buy this week? Yeah, right. <laughs> But that's one of them that's been sitting in there because I wanted to go back through and listen to it. And then when you covered it, I was just like, yeah, I really need to, I really need to purchase this already. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I did mention, too, that you are playing uh, a little bit with Don't Stop or We'll Die mm-hmm. uh, with Paul Rust. And uh, who, who's the other band member? In Michael Stop? Cassidy. Michael Cassidy. Yes. Uh, who, I mean, both of them people saw on love mm-hmm. and uh how, how how often are you guys kind of playing shows i know you guys did kind of a mini tour back east yeah we've done a couple uh little tours uh this year it's the first time i'd really done any of that with them i think it's the first time they've really done it um but yeah we mostly would play around la but now we're starting to get out a little more um we actually were supposed to do some more <coughs> excuse me get in this water um we were supposed to have some dates coming up in Chicago, and we were going to do some Pacific Northwest dates, but unfortunately, we had to cancel those um, due to some scheduling conflicts. Um, but uh, we hope we can make those up. But so, yeah, right now, there was supposed to be some more touring coming up, but it's postponed at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know what exactly what is coming up since that stuff had to get canceled. We'll probably at least have like an LA show at yeah. some point before the end of the year if not more. Um, and then um, I actually just record, we recorded some stuff too. So I think oh there's nice. going to be an EP coming out um, possibly even before the end of the year. Oh, that'd be excellent. Um, yeah. And so that's fun. It's super fun playing with those guys and this will be 
Um, this is actually the first uh, recording I've played on with them. Um, so I've been playing with them for a bit now, but the record that they released last year. Yeah, it was last year. Um, they had recorded most of that um, a ways before I'd started playing with them. And, uh, and um, yeah, it's super fun. I'm also kind of like in a th- spot of like, I, I play with them and I always play with them now, but uh, the band is really Paul and Michael. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of like the hired gun <laughs> kind of thing, which is f- totally yeah. fine. Uh, you know, it's great. And we also, we have a guitar player playing with us now too. This guy, Amin Zarukian, who's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's super fun. I, it's like such a fun, different experience uh, getting to, cause it, again, it kind of combines those, things that i love of comedy and music right and uh i was a big fan uh long before i even had met any of them uh so it uh yeah it's been it's been a delight because they're they're so funny and the songs are so dumb and i mean that in a positive way right uh and they're just they're so they're such nice genuine guys and it's it's a great time and pretty much every time we play we play with the sloppy boys now who i'm a gigantic fan of and uh, so we pretty much always play together, and it's just, it's a great time, and just hanging out with those guys, and then just playing, and just laughing, and not taking anything too seriously, just go out and have fun. So yeah. I'm excited to see more. I know Paul just lives a couple streets up from me. I always mm-hmm. see him out and about, and I've only met him very, very, like, <clears throat> literally in past, and it was at that Felice Navi Pod show. Oh, okay. But, but I'll see him, and I'm always just like, there's Paul Rust. And it's like, I've been a huge fan of his for a while, like, from Don't mm-hmm. Stop World Die, and then when Love came on, I was like, "Oh, yep. it's that guy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Like we were, we were actually just mentioned him on the last episode uh, because I'll always get people that are like, "Oh, well, who do you see around your neighborhood?" And I'm always like, "Oh, I like I see Paul Rust regularly," and without fail, people always be like, oh, "No, no, who is he?" Mm-hmm. And we we decided on the last episode that that's the new way that we gauge if somebody should continue a conversation with us is. If they don't know who Paul Rust is, why are we not? Why are we talking to them? <laughs> He's a delightful man. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tony, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to come down here. My so, pleasure. Like Thanks I said, for I having me. Your schedule's insanely busy with everything you've got going, and it has been busy these days. But you know what? It's 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 good. I like being busy, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's it's mostly fun stuff, so I can't complain. Awesome. Where can people find you and the podcast on on social media? Uh, I am at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Bizarre Album, at Bizarre Albums on both of those things as well. Um, yeah, those are really the play or Tony Thaxton.com, Bizarre Albums.com. Those are, those are the big things for me right now. And yeah, the, like I said, the Motion City Tour will start in, uh, on New Year's Eve and go, uh, throughout all of January. Awesome. And I'll have a link for all of those up on the website, on the mikepodcast.com that people can go and find all of that as we, uh, release the episode, so. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. 